Welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here we talk about the connection between creativity and healing, and how we are creative, and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally. Join us now. I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You Healing, and today I have with me Michael Magruch. Michael is an Austrian Californian multidisciplinary artist, awareness and creativity educator, speaker and author. He works on raising the awareness of our limitless human potential and its wisdom. He is an advocate for helping understand neurodiversity. Michael's dyslexia and dysgraphia forced him to develop an awareness of seeing the world purely from a human perspective. Creating art completed his awareness of what it is to be human. So welcome, Michael. Thank you, Larissa. Good to be here. Um, Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) So can you share some of your story and the path that's brought you to where you are now? I was born in Austria, Vienna, and I was a sick child. And then when I was about seven, they got me to school. And then the second thing hit that I was neurodiverse and at dysgraphia. So I can't read my writing. When you write something five years ago, legibly, I can read that. But when I write it an hour ago, I can't read it. I can't find the context. My brain can not find the context in what I wrote. And I am not a rebel. I was never a rebel or anybody that wants to go against the grain or anything. But I kind of have been forced to find my own way because I tried to repeat grades and I couldn't repeat. I repeated them and it didn't work. And then I sooner or later... Uh, gave up on schooling. And one thing that allowed me that to do was creating art. I sold mixtapes out of my trunk, art created, all my even short-time jobs. And once I was 30, and I think that was a pivotal point for me, I realized that because of writing a resume for a new job, that all my jobs were creative. Fashion, uh, this jockey, fashion show producer, advertising, video and television... So once I get that, and I said, I can't really, because on one side, I survived through creating art. And on the other side, I couldn't never do anything else. It's not like I need to wait for society to deem me an artist or to be a famous person. That's what I am. And I think that was pivotal. Because from then on, I consciously fell back to my creativity. It was a conscious awareness decision it wasn't just yeah i can't do anything else like people say in the world it's a hobby art and it's not a real thing it's not a real job when you do this consciously and you see the power that art had and i think i was unconscious still then how much power art had to allow me to actually not kill myself not do this that actually allowed me to communicate with the artist community where there is no discrimination between gender, race, and sexuality, at least in my part. I felt intuitively that was my way. I'm not defining myself with an artist with a beret and stuff and the system image, but I think we are all artists, which I found out later that we are all artists. You and me should run a marathon tomorrow. We probably won't, but we can work for it in one or two years to run that. It's possible if we want it. I was, this manifested in me and then I was having shows and was kind of semi-successful in the system. 
I worked for Robert Evans, who did The Godfather and Chinatown. I worked with him together. And I was Arts Commissioner in Newport Beach, the City Arts Commissioner. And so I got my successes, but what bugged me, I wrote five books on art. And the last book that I wrote was because it bugged me so much exactly about that story. I was so safe by art, by art creation, not by art, also the art product. Of course, when you see a film and you're an adolescent or hear music, it makes you keep going on. I was, the moment I got that, and at the same time I hear 95, 97%, 99% of artists worldwide are living on a poverty level. And I said, I got to write a book about this because art is everything in my life. And I said, this is, can't be, it's impossible. And I see how much it helped my friends, how it helped me in coaching and helped me in all this stuff. And I said, how can that be? This is the highest form. It's like one way where we feel our godliness, where we create stuff. And you know what happens when you create stuff. The object that you're creating or the the subject or the song or whatever, you start of it and you are the master. But when you have enough, it begets its own life. And you can't just put a, a yellow dot into, into that painting. It doesn't work. It forces you where to put the butt and what color. It forces if you use a choir or if you lose a bass line in all those things. It forces your words to use in a poem once to, you have created this. And just that process, it's just priceless. And so I, I dove deep into it and I realized in that book that art, what the art world is, is the art business. It is art history. It is all relation to systemic definition of what art is. And really nobody except Picasso or, or Warhol is interested in those artists, in artists about their creation. Nobody's interested in the creation process. And I believe that the creation process, and I'm not alone, that the creation process is the human blueprint that brings us back of understanding who we are, everyone. It has is that blueprint. And so every time you feel lost and you identify or go and even look at art or be create art, you find more of who you are. I saw it was all focused on the art product. Do you have a nice painting that people like? Do you have a nice song that people like? But it was nothing about the process. Then I found also that all artists have such a hard time with this most rewarding thing, the process of art, to enjoy that and milk the process because they're worried, can I pay my bills? Can I make money from that? Can I do this? Then I realized in that process, you have to do, do a job to do, you know, most artists do. They, I worked in hospitality my whole life to allow me to do the artwork. And so I separated the two, and that got me to the book now that I'm finishing, that is, we can create heaven on earth, which art does, 
or we can destroy ourselves with our creativity. It's our choice. And nobody cares about it. Nature doesn't care. Nobody cares. If we destroy ourselves, another generation, right? Mm -hmm. But I believe that artists and creatives hold the blueprint on how the, the world can be. And I think that's, there's so much. And, and just that dissonance of what I said, I mean, I see it in you, the dissonance, how you're treated as a creative and artist, because talent always gets paid the less. It doesn't m matter where the system makes the most and artists get the less. So we have to hold the thing for everyone. It's a tough thing. But once you with the awareness, I think my life got 50% better once I separate I am a species of humanity of, of nature. I'm just another species of nature. And we chose to play Monopoly in this game. But the value is always the humanity. It's like the fact that you feel guilty that you have to care for your daughter because she's sick and not go to work should never be. Because we have, as humans, absolutely authority and priority because we created the freaking systems. That they're, they're our creation. We can't submit to them. We have to play them by the rules and whatever, but we cannot be in them. We have to play systems. We have to be humans. And I think art and creativity is the blueprint to that. For everybody is different. There's 8 billion different people. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I think it, that's a very important what, what you said, because I see this daily with people I talk to about I'm not creative. And as a human, you are innately yeah. creative. Exactly. Right? But we think because we are not producing something of value to other people, we are not creative. And the two things are completely separate. We need to embrace that creativity because it is about the process. None of the workshops I do, projects I do are about a finished product, right? They're about the process that we're going through because that's where the healing is. That's where the work is. That's where we can move through things. And, and that's vitally important. Yeah. With your writing of the books and, and this discovery that you've had, has it shifted your perception of your own self or the world? Oh, tremendously. Because when you look at you as a species of nature, all of a sudden, when you look at the filter, I said, how is conflict resolved in nature? There's a little fight. They just, the cats go together, they fight, and they go apart. No lion in the savannah kills all the gazelles so that he has something tomorrow I can sell him. And you see then, you recognize your benevolence because we are all like other animals. We are human animal, right? A social human animal. And you see the benevolence of it. And then you shame yourself and saying, you shouldn't be too good. You should be harder. You should do this. You should that. But that's not in our nature. In our nature is to come together, have fun. Look what guys do, or girls. When they get together uh, on a night out, what they do? They're joking around. They're laughing. They're telling gossip, telling stories. That's what we're... Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not done on, on social media. It's, it, it's done when you go out, when you're being physically with each other. And I think it changed me tremendously to confirm when you create something, right? And then you put it away and then you look at it. And I say, this is great because you're getting your ego out. You look at it after a year and I said, damn, that was good. 
And you thought it was horrible. That's why I always tell students of mine or people that I work with, if they say, oh, it's horrible, I hate it. It's not what I imagined. I said, put it away for a year and pull it out. And then you can still throw it away. And I've never heard anybody that threw it away once they, they put it stashed to this side because there's so much in it. And the feedback that you did that, when you become aware of that, and, and see, I, I dissected all these stages in creativity, in, in the creative process, and they made me much more self-confident. I mean, I have no education. Mm -hmm. I have zero education. I couldn't. It's, not, it's like a person with one arm, you ask him to play, shoot an arrow. I couldn't. So I don't have any education. I'm totally self-taught. But that's also an advantage because I have a total out-of-the-box view and find out new things with my shading of perception. Right, right. That's a conversation I've had with a few people recently is about the system. We put kids in school, which is a babysitting service, and then we expect them to be a certain way so that they can come out and be properly behaving yep. adults that go to work, work in a cubicle. It's all about how we can control things, right? Mm -hmm. And there's many of us that don't fit into those boxes and mm -hmm. don't go through the system in the correct correct yeah. for our society way. And then it's like, we're the troublemakers. We're the ones that are causing, but the troublemakers are the ones that make change in the world, right? And so I'm embracing this troublemaker that I have become. And I think you are also, yeah. and not knowing that, like having your creativity through your whole life and not knowing that it was not valued because it was just who you were. Yeah. Do you feel that was a huge advantage for you? I, I think in hindsight, it was if I had a mentor like me or you, what I mean, mm -hmm. that would be another thing because it would make me aware of things and to then once aware, the choices are easy. When you're not aware, that's when choices are hard. So every time I have a hard choice, I know I'm not aware enough to make that choice. I don't have to know all the outcome, but I'm not aware enough to make a confident thing that this is the next step. And I don't know the outcome either. It's just saying, I have to go this way. I, I think it comes to a lot of self-shaming because anytime, I said that before, 8 billion people, every one of the 8 billion has their own fingerprint and has an own DNA. Uh, <clears throat> there is a reason for that. We should question what is nature showing us? Perhaps in inclusion, that's where it's all about, mm -hmm. in our differences. Yeah, And every animal for that is the same. There's no same animals. They all are different. Isn't there a hint of nature that it gives us for how to be with each other and for each other? I give an example. The people can say, oh, my God, Larissa, you have the best podcast. I can't believe it. You should get an award. You should get or Larissa's podcast is absolutely the worst. And not now I ask you something, but neither these judgments of good or bad can take away that you did a podcast. See, it's like when women talk about or men talk about abortion. And I'm not pro or against, I'm just saying, when we talk about abortion and haven't experienced that, the same for women. With women that don't have babies, talk to other women and tell them what to do about abortion. 
cannot make that assumption. There is no system solution to have them. Because if I'm saying, okay, Larissa, man and woman are equal. Then I say, women have been always equal to men because in nature, you exist and you're worthy. There is no surplus that needs to be discarded, animals or humans. There is nothing. It's sustainable and it's constantly adapting. To say now systemically that I separate them before, right? the king is a system, the realm, and they say, I'm going to go send, send those warriors over to get more, better, and whatever. And the woman just stay at home. We don't know what to do for you. You just keep baby and stay at home. That is a system-created human problem because we know now that women can be better warriors than men. Also, in all shooting disciplines, women are better than men. So the stupidness of that, the unawareness, we, and over generation, we play the same game and our adaptability is just copying from each other makes us totally forget that it's about human and you can't fix something that a system created on a system level with political correctness. Because as much as I, you feel if I say, oh, Larissa, you are equal to me. But what if I say, Larissa, you are another human. You just, yeah, in the something, you're a female, but you're another human. And that's why I treat everybody like that, not I treat everybody the same, but I, I treat everybody as a human, as an extension of me, as a part of the 8 billion that I have the privilege to meet. That, that's a completely different thing than saying, okay, you a woman and I have to behave like this, or I have to treat you like that. And that, that whole, dif and I have that problem with neurodiversity because neurodiversity is coming to the light, like Blindness has come to the light. All these other things have come to light. And when you system define it, and the wonderful thing of neurodiversity is that nobody is the same. Mm -hmm. You can't even put it in a median of a bell curve. It just doesn't work. This is what neurodiversity, I think, has. And it's kind of an example. How can you make a system that is relevant for all neurodiverse people so that people get awareness. It's just about awareness. It's not about we need rights and regulations. We're all humans. Get away with rights. We're all right thing. And get rid of our misconceptions and our conditioning that they are better than our worst, than our Asian people are smarter. All that crap. That is system. It's in this system created. I think this is coming through all of us. I think. We as creative knows that we didn't create that. It just came through to us. And we are just more, our value is in our honing of the communication between our non-physical and physical. I want to say it, not spiritual. So non-physical and physical, the clearer we communicate, that's where our value is. But basically, we are all vessels that contribute of the whole consciousness to paint, to sing, to create an iPhone, to create a Nike shoe, to whatever. Yeah. And, and it's not an ego thing. Oh, I'm better. No, absolutely. I think as more people are starting to discover that connection to each other, right? As mm -hmm. we are all one, yeah. but also 
I call it the divine, but yes, it's allowing us to understand that we don't all have to be the same. We've been put into these boxes because it's easier for, (laughs) when when it comes right down to it, it's easier for government if we're put into a box so that we can be pushed along a line, an assembly line of sorts Mm. to get to the other end. When we have started to like, step back from that and i think that's why neurodiversity is coming to light so much right now because we're starting to recognize that we do think differently and that's not a bad thing right we're the ones who are looking at things in a different way Uh we're the ones who are starting to question how it's been done allowing that differences i think is vitally important right now to allow the change that needs to happen it's about the awareness. It's nobody, sorry to interrupt it, but it's not about the systems are bad and humans are good, or it is these people that are system master system navigators, they have so much energy that they can so adapt, they have this, that they adapt, that they are successful in systems. But in general, because every fifth person is another diverse, it's we are all different and we all different values. And the thing is, we there is the systems number one on the other side of system and this is what i write in this in my coming book it's on the other side of systems are humans too that have to feed five kids and might be neurodiverse or whatever and what we do is we we have this smoky mirror called systems and we are human against human as from limitless creativity Mm. we can never win that I find something, you find an antidote. I find a new poison, you find an antidote till we destroy ourselves and trying to separate ourselves and we ultimately extinguish ourselves like a lot of civilizations did already. And look at nature, it just grows over. I think we have to see that on the other side, we really have to compartmentalize systems relevance versus human relevance and human relevance has to be the priority because if system relevance we will destroy ourselves and we can because we are only one god every one of us we created systems we are the gods of system so that's why we can create them we didn't create humans and we didn't create nature so we can't change them or do something but we are the gods of systems and we can change and alter and make systems human adapt because systems right now, if you ask systems, what is normal? There's no answer. They ask underlyingly. And I think that's what we, because we that all play in the systems and play the monopoly system, come to the conclusion, we must be abnormal. But eight people cannot be up. There is no normal. In eight billion people, everybody has a a different DNA. There is groupings. There is thing. But everybody is abnormal. And everybody feels here and then, even the master system, as I don't fit into that. Because otherwise, everybody would be religious and everybody would be also in the golf club and everybody would be successful. We all don't fit in anywhere. Because there is no definition what is normal. We can't even say what what is normal in art. We try, but we can't. And we shouldn't. Why would we want to see? Because by default, we are unique. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the importance of creativity is to remind us of that uniqueness, right? 
So if you can do realistic art or if you can tell a good story that goes with your plain white canvas, whatever it is that you can convince the system, it has value. It gives you value in the way our system is done. But that's not true, right? You cannot convince the system. You can only try to manipulate with attention or whatever and faked views or whatever you cannot if the system deems you're not an artist you're not an artist if the system deems you can try to convince me or i can convince you humans it's the same with trust you cannot trust this it's a creation of us it's like praying to a doll that we created i created a doll you we're both creating and then we asked the doll hey should we go out with this person what kind of stock investment should we do and the doll doesn't know that but we act as if that's our God. The system is our God. And these disturbed humans that are system disturbed, like now with the war, tell me, I always ask, I said, tell me one human that is not the system disturbed leader that wanted war. Tell me what woman in the history of humanity, what people, in the history of human, wanted war. They say, I'm going to, don't care about my kids. I don't care about my house. I'm gonna, I want to just kill. Mm -hmm. That is, I want to just kill the others to have their stuff. That has never been. That, has, that is conditioned by disturbed leaders that, and systems that say you have to do this and this. Also, the system decide about human life. Systems have never created human life, and they shouldn't decide about human life. I'm not an anti-probe, but I said, why would you want to decide that this person should? You're very limited. You have a little function, a government or a religion or a thing. You have a little function, politics. There's a little function. The world goes on without systems, and this is the always what I say. Without, without systems. We can survive because we are limitless humans, because we have creativity, right? We, mm -hmm. have, we just create up, we are limitless. What people come up with is amazing, you know? But systems become irrelevant if there's no humans. If there's no humans to pay the half cent, even if it's to make mm -hmm. a, another rich, it, it's, it's fine. Without humans, systems are completely irrelevant. And that's why I say the priority has to be human be, to really rediscover our human centricness. And I think creativity is a blueprint for that because I couldn't speak these words hadn't I have been a, an artist my whole life and be with art and creativity. And right. my education was art and creativity. And I have no art degree. I didn't go to, I have very little idea about art history on unless the one that interested me. Uh, I, so I'm the product. I'm preaching what I am. And it's resonating with people right now because yeah. the systems are so broken, right? Yeah. To share that. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing the, your story. And we have a link for your yeah. websites. I'm assuming your books are on your website so we can yeah. Yeah. send people there. And then we also have a free gift, your free 30-second podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the, the podcast that I can give something to you because I, I see you are really in deep. I, I wrote it for my course. I wrote 
and this is all in the context of this talk. Mm -hmm. I, I wrote a paper that I use in my course and, and that I've dispersed quite a lot because people wanted it, requested it, is about how to find your voice, uh, how mm -hmm. to find your uniqueness, that you're one of 8 billion people, how do you find it? And my 32nd podcast is a part of that because if you're confused by our talk or it's not something is not clear, just listen. I would suggest listen to a 20 second, 30 second only. That's it's just a quote and a question. And just listen to that. And once a day or once every two days, make it regular and just let it percolate. You don't need to have the answer. You just listen to my voice and listen and, or just read it and listen to the, and read the question and try to answer it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because mentoring got so lost in the art community because everybody is getting for the product and nobody has the time to mentor any of us. So mm -hmm. I thought, what kind of mentoring could I give that is that everybody can just pick up? And I use technology to, to give that. with oh, I that. Yeah, I love so that's that. That's part of our podcast. Yeah, it's... It's well, about 130 episodes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Perfect. And we'll make sure the links are there. Is there any final thoughts before we go today? Awareness is Trump's all. I find the systems makers do life. Be mindful. Be grateful. Be think, Do being grateful. It, what they're really saying is do being grateful. Be Do being mindful. We don't need to be reminded by systems about our human humanity. We've just proved that two human beings that never met each other can have a healthy dialogue, which is the second superpower of the creativity, right? And mm -hmm. we can adapt each other good enough to have that dialogue, which is the third superpower. Just be aware. We have no steps or no things to do. Just allow the things to influence and see what resonates. If you don't like a quote that I wrote on my podcast, Discard it. You don't have to do it. You're free. You have to work on what resonates with you at that time and allow that to have an impact. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Anytime. Thank you. And to our listeners, we will see you again next time. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Calling all adventurous women. Have you been feeling lost and disconnected from your feminine energy? Are you seeking inner peace, clarity, and intuition? Then it's time to awaken your feminine energy and explore the power of reflection. Join us on a journey of self-discovery and uncover the beauty of your inner self. Awaken your feminine energy and connect with your creativity, intuition, and soul. Thank you for listening. If you found our podcast of interest, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you listen in.